Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and thank you for listening to the History of World War II podcast, episode 444, Army Group Center. Last time, we brought Army Group North up to the Volkhov River, to the southeast of Leningrad. As the river goes north to south, this was now the Germans' defensive line, while Berlin waited for Leningrad to surrender due to a lack of provisions. To be sure, the impatient Hitler would eventually order Army Group North, though stripped of most of its armor, to give to Army Group Center, who was to take Moscow, to push further east. But Field Marshal Lieb, North's leader, would find that the Russians had been learning. Thus, for the rest of 1941, Lieb's men would not advance as far as was wished. And now that Army Group Center had most of North's armor, let's see what happens. But first, let's back up to the starting line. When Barbarossa was launched on June 22, 1941, Army Group Center did not have, as its main target, Stalin's capital of Moscow, which makes sense if one remembers that Poland and France were defeated without their capitals first coming under German control. And it would be no different here, Berlin assumed. No, what mattered most and this is one of Napoleon's many maxims, is to focus on the enemy's forces. If their armies are wiped out, what does it matter about a fortress? There's practically no one left to man them, and they will fall in time. Sieges have a respectable track record, if the ring around them can be maintained. Thus was Army Group Center's initial goal to destroy or capture all Soviet forces on this side of Moscow. If that happened, and Hitler could see no other conclusion, then obviously the capital would fall and terms could be agreed to, as Stalin would have no one else to resist for him. So the key was the destruction of all Soviet forces in Western Russia. Everything else would take care of itself. Not that every officer in Berlin agreed with this, the most notable exception being Army Chief of Staff General Franz Halder who was more of a traditionalist. You take the capital, that's how both sides know who won. But that is a discussion for another day. The man picked to lead the vaunted Army Group Center was Field Marshal Fedor von Bock. Bock had done well in previous battles, and thus Hitler chose for him this plum assignment. Bock would command the 4th and 9th Armies, two armored groups, and a large section of the Luftwaffe for air cover. 
the world would tremble and be changed by Army Group Center. At least, that was the plan. One of the many ironies of the Eastern Front was that, as Poland was divided between Germany and Russia, with the latter taking the Baltic states later, the main Soviet defensive group, that is, the Western Special Military District, or WSMD, under Colonel General D.G. Pavlov, was actually closer to Berlin than Moscow. This, of course, would hurt Stalin in the first six months of the war, as the WSMD would be severely mauled by Army Group Center. However, even though the opening phases of Barbarossa went well for Berlin, they would find they were still a very long ways away from reaching Moscow. And in war, space equals time. But that's in the future. Barbarossa was not simply to remove communism from Europe— It was to give the growing Nazi state additional fertile land, and there was one more thing. Yes, Hitler may have been saying since the 1920s that the words Bolshevik and Jews were interchangeable, which is incorrect, but he certainly wanted to rid the world of communists, Jews, and Slavs. As none of these groups were considered a positive by Hitler, they were to be gotten rid of, thus strengthening the Nazi state, which meant... This was total war. Behind the various army groups, there were to be Einsatzgruppen, or deployment groups, made up of paramilitary death squads that would help destroy Germany's enemies. All this was to be arranged by Reichsfuhrer SS Heinrich Himmler, who was only too happy to oblige. This podcast could not exist without the help of sponsors like Yahoo Finance. When it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. Now, you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses, Yahoo Finance. I've stressed this in my podcast about command and control, which is exactly what Yahoo Finance is. You can see all your investments and retirement accounts in one place. You can consolidate your views from multiple accounts into one hub and access the expert analysis you need to tend to your entire portfolio with confidence. Yahoo Finance has been around for more than 25 years, and they've worked things out. You've got the tools you need right at your fingertips. I open up my Yahoo Finance, and within seconds, I can see how my stocks and investments are doing. And basically, investing is all about growth. And in order to grow, you need to know what's going on. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Unlike when France or Denmark or Norway was taken, the plan to conquer Russia was 11 months in the making. So Berlin expected it to be all but over in six to ten weeks, though there was much they did not anticipate that military prowess could not overcome, like the paltry state of Russian roads and rail lines. Again, Hitler had set the expectations. Kick in the door to Soviet Russia, i.e. its forces in between Germany and Moscow, and the whole rotten structure would collapse. Opposing this, Moscow, and Stalin in particular, could not help but be stunned when Nazi Germany overran country after country 
in mere weeks, thus completely wrecking any expectations based off the last war. So, General Zhukov was ordered to carry out war games in late 1940, and acting as the commanding invading general, it did not take much on his part to show how weak and uneven Stalin's defensive lines were. Zhukov was able to encircle and destroy the first echelon of Soviet defenses, which would match closely with what would happen in the future. So, in private, where only whispers exist, the word went out that the WSMD, instead of being a military formation large enough to not need quick outside help if attacked, was now to be sacrificed to the gods of war, to buy Stalin time. And it hurt the Soviet leader that his military men had yet to come up with a strong counter to the Blitzkrieg, thus the sacrifice of WSMD. During the night of June 20th, 21st, 1941, von Bock's troops moved themselves and their equipment closer to the border of no man's land in between German and Soviet-controlled territory. As for actually going on the offensive, the men, the Germans, were only given eight hours warning. Of course, all this movement was spotted by the nearby Soviets, who told General Pavlov, who in return asked General Timoshenko for permission to alert his men. The approval did not come until 3.05 a.m., June 22nd. The attack had started five minutes before that. More specifically, given the geography of the Baltic states, the 9th Army and 3rd Panzer Groups moved out at 3.05 a.m. to coincide with Army Group North. This had to be a united front to make sure the enemy was not able to launch their own attack or slip around a partially moving German offensive. This left the 4th Army Group and the 2nd Panzer Group of Army Group Center to move out at 3.15 a.m. Now that the battle was on, Colonel General Heinz Guderian, commander of the 2nd Panzer Group, used speed and audacity to capture bridges over the River Bug. Elsewhere, the Panzer Regiment 18 used 80 specially modified submarine tanks to wade across, and though General Hermann Hoth's men, the 3rd Panzer Group, had only dry land in front of them, they knew their chance to cross a river would be coming soon, and there would be many chances. The Russians did not actively fight back for the first few hours, as Stalin had made them fearful of doing anything to upset the Germans. So German intelligence picked up Soviet messages asking for orders. What do we do? In this way, almost all the bridges immediately needed were captured by the Germans. Though the dividing line between Germany and Russia when Poland was subdued is hardly a straight line, it's mostly to the east of Warsaw, but not the part that Army Group Center would use as a jump-off point. To the north of Warsaw, there is a Russian bulge west of Bialystok that would allow Army Group Center to swing out on either side of the salient and encircle several Soviet armies. This went according to plan, and soon the territory to the west of Minsk was in German hands. As for the Soviet armies around Bialystok, to the northeast of Warsaw and close to the border, they were surrounded during the first days of the war. 
it will come as no surprise, with entire armies being surrounded and smaller units being wiped out. WSMD Commander Pavlov had little idea of what was going on in his area of responsibility, and he was unable to direct countermoves. So it stands to reason that his boss, S.K. Timoshenko, chairman of the Stavka, not to mention Zhukov in the high command, knew even less. But it's worth noting that despite the spectacular advances made by von Bock's men, there were little signs that this attack would not go by the numbers. First, when 7th Panzer Corps ran into the Soviet 5th Tank Division, the latter had T-34 tanks, and those proved stubborn to destroy. In time, German numbers, combined with Soviet lack of experience with these tanks, would see, for now, those tanks destroyed, but it took longer and more shells than expected. Meanwhile, when Guderian's 3rd Panzer Division bypassed, as best they could, the forest near Brest, itself located about 70 miles or 112 kilometers south of Bielystok, first they found that the sandy terrain there used up much more fuel than expected. They also found out, in a rather painful way, that the Soviets were better fighters amongst the trees. Another crack that showed itself early on was the different opinions of how this battle should be fought by higher command. After Bielystok was surrounded, Hitler wanted the panzer units of Army Group Center to halt until that pocket was reduced to nothing. But General Franz Halder, Chief of Staff of the Army High Command, or OKH, fought against this and ordered von Bock to keep going. His compromise for when Hitler heard of this counter-order was to tell the Fuhrer that the Soviet pocket would be surrounded by two rings. The inner ring facing the Soviets would be made of infantry, while the outer ring protecting the infantry would be comprised of armor. But when Hitler found out, he once again ordered the armor of Army Group Center to stop. As this flew in the face of everything that Blitzkrieg was built upon, C&C of the Army Walter von Brauditsch knew he had to get involved. Even worse, many German generals did not think that Barbarossa would be as easy as Hitler assumed, and stopping the Panzers certainly wouldn't make victory come any sooner. So von Brauditsch ordered General Hoth to keep moving with his armor in the northern section of Army Group Center's area of responsibility, and for Guderian to do the same on the southern side. All this was labeled reconnaissance in force. The same thing had happened during the Battle of France, when the Panzers were about to reach the coast. Hitler became spooked by his own success and ordered the Panzers to stop, but the OKH ordered them on, again under the cover of reconnaissance in force. But coming back to June 1941, what this boils down to is that Army Group Center, the central German thrust, was now presenting an uneven front, with the two flanks moving on and fast, while the center section slowed down, waiting for Bielistock to fall. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. 
Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. To be sure, Stalin had been screaming counterattack this entire time. And indeed, the local commanders were yelling the same thing if only to avoid being shot. But, and this would remain the truth for the next few weeks, there was little effective communication, little to no air support, a lack of supplies, little command and control, and certainly even less combined armed attacks. That is, the army, artillery, armor, and planes working together for maximum effectiveness on the Soviet front. This would be worked out over time. Until then, the Russians came at the Germans in piecemeal and bled for it. Not that there weren't moments of, let's say, concern for the German high command. We've already seen that von Lieb of Army Group North stumbled a few times before his infantry and armor units could be lined up together for mutual support. Now it was von Bock's turn. On the first day of the war, Dmitry Pavlov's deputy, General Ivy Bolden, was sent closer to the front as Pavlov needed someone he could trust to take the initiative. Besides, as communications were spotty at best, it was best to have his man on the ground, on the scene, as it were. And Bolden, from a peasant beginning, had done well for himself because he took the initiative and he stayed loyal to the party he would attempt to prove himself here once again. General Hermann Hoth's 3rd Panzer Group consisted of four Panzer Divisions and four Infantry Divisions, and they were making good progress to the north of Bielystok. In fact, he and his were moving so fast that soon Hoth's men could threaten Minsk further to the east from the north. And if Guderian, the southern version of Hoth, within Army Group Center's area of responsibility could do the same, then it was clear that Minsk would soon fall and the way to Smolensk would be open. But first things first. Pavlov had told Bolden to go to the forward area, take command, and push the enemy back, if possible. Bolden jumped into a very vulnerable small aircraft and flew west, landing within the Bielystok encirclement. Soon he was in charge of the 6th Mechanized, 11th Mechanized, and 6th Cavalry Corps. This shock group of Boldens had just over 1,000 tanks in its midst, and at least half of them were KVs and T-34s. The idea was for him to swing in a counterclockwise motion to reach and liberate Grodno, located about 40 miles or 64 kilometers northeast of Bielystok with the ultimate goal being Augustavo, located in the northeast corner of what once was Poland. If he could achieve this, not only would the encirclement be pierced, it would send shockwaves through both army groups north and center. And things had started out well enough. First, the Luftwaffe had failed to spot Bolden gathering his forces. The bad news, though, is that when they tried to move out, they quickly came into contact with the Germans, who were moving inward. And now that the shock group had been spotted, the Luftwaffe went in, 
hard. The 36th Cavalry Division within the 6th Cavalry Corps quickly lost about 70% of its strength, and it only got worse. Clearly, Bolden's shock group wasn't going anywhere, but that did not mean he would not resist, because resist he did. Still trying to push towards Grodno, the German 256th Infantry Division had a small scare when it looked like Bolden's men might break out with their 305 tanks and 32,000 men left after the Luftwaffe mauled them. But the Luftwaffe kept coming in, and soon the shock group was too weak. It had to go on the defensive. Not that Bolden was giving up. The first order now, as attack was not possible, was to survive. And though his group, like all the other Soviet troops within the Bielystok pocket, were reduced, he stayed calm and moved ever eastward, as much as the Germans would permit. It took 45 days, but of his once massive formation, Bolden and 1,650 officers and men did manage to break out to the east and make for Smolensk. To be sure, that area would also come under German threat, but for now, the Stavka, Stalin, and the country had something to celebrate. It could not have been more different for Bolden's superior, Colonel General of Tank Troops D.G. Pavlov. He and his front staff were ordered back to Moscow and charged with cowardice and failure to perform their duties. And in war, there is only one punishment for this. They were all executed by the NKVD, that is, the People's Commissariat for Internal Affairs, basically Stalin's personal police force. Meanwhile, in the south of Army Group Center's area of responsibility, General Guderian and his panzers were equally moving apace. The Soviet 22nd Tank Division had been trying to stop Guderian's panzers, but were whittled down in the process, in very short order. Guderian was a whiz in fighting with his panzers, but he also had an ego, and he did not like to hear the word no. We've already seen Bolden's attempt with his shock group, but it also hoped that if he did break out, it might cause Guderian to stop as well, as having an enemy operate in your rear could cut off supplies and reinforcements. But this did not happen. Still, there was a massive pocket of Soviet armies trapped just east of Bielystok. Again, Hitler wanted to wait until that was destroyed, but the generals under him did not. Thus, the fake reconnaissance in force orders were issued. In time, this pocket of resistance would be reduced, but waiting in army group centers near future was another, even larger pocket, just west of Minsk. Either way, army group center was making good headway deeper into Soviet territory, and soon, as we have seen, they would have most of the armor from army group north join them, as Hitler changes his mind concerning what Bach's main target should be. Greetings, everyone, from Central Virginia. So uh, I just want to thank the guys who read last week's uh, episode. I really do appreciate it. The uh, Warrior Next Door guys, Ryan and Tony. Um, I've almost got my voice back, but I think I, I think I did okay. So you'll let me know if I didn't, I'm sure. Anyway, before I say hi to new members and thank those who've, who have donated, I've got two announcements for you. Um, 
One, if you have not heard of or been to, and the chances are you haven't and you haven't been, there is a World War II museum in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I think it's called World War II Museum, the American Experience, something like that. Anyway, it's it's pretty new. It's been up just over a year. Uh, I went there this weekend with my friend Jesse. We had a great time. The the uh, museum is not the biggest one I've ever been to, but it is amazing. And uh, the people there will explain everything and answer your questions. Jesse and I got very lucky, and we had a gentleman named Jack who was more than patient to put up with us. We were there for a good two half an hours. We monopolized his time. So Jack, if you ever hear this, thank you very much. But for everyone else, check it out. It's in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And the other thing is if you are a tank aficionado or just like tanks a little bit like me, um, there is a tank museum in Danville, Virginia. It's got dozens of tanks. And I think it's got planes. It's got artillery pieces. It's got the whole shebang, unfortunately. It is going out of business or whatever the price. It's closing. There we go. It's it's not like they sell in the tanks. Uh, They're going out of business, and they don't know exactly when. So if you want to see tanks, and if you've ever thought about going to the Tank Museum in Danville, Virginia, do it soonest because uh, you might just go there one day and the doors could be closed. For right now, because they are closing, they're only opened on Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, Jesse and I are going to try to go there the first or second week of December because I seriously doubt they'll be there in the new year. So for whatever that's worth. And now on to thanking people who give my life meaning. Okay, let's see here. First, as far as those who have recently donated, thank you very much. Let's see here. No particular order. Um, Ingevar Holm from Norway. I hope I got that right. Uh, Grady Fleife, thank you very much. Gavin Kent, Thank you very much. Anthony DeLuca, who has uh, donated before. So Anthony Tony, thank you very much. And as far as those who have recently become members who get the extra episodes, let's see here. Uh, Priscilla Forney from Greensboro, North Carolina. D. Grice from Grays Lake, Illinois. Chris Fowler from Christ Church, New Zealand. Thank you, Chris. Uh, James, um, is that Hassan or Shazan uh, from to Plains, Des Plains, Illinois. Uh, I'm sorry about that, James. I, I looked up how to pronounce your name, but I got several options. So I apologize for the absolute butchery that was your last name. Um, Paul Leonard from Toronto, Canada, and George Say from Livonia, Michigan. So thank you all very much for supporting the show. It certainly means a lot around here. And uh, we will see you soon with the next part of Army Group Center. Take care, everyone.